Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. Boom! We are back once again. It's another episode of In the Huddle. I'm Jason Brown. I'll be your host today. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And I'm joined with two of my favorite members of the CTP fam. You just saw him yesterday. He's back again. Give us more of those wonderful takes. My man, Tyler, how you doing? How you been? Oh, and he gets applause. All right. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, I'm I'm enjoying a nice craft Mexican lager from my favorite brewery, The Brewing Project. High recommend Mejor Vida. Um, And I am ready to talk some ball. I have been fighting about Kirk Cousins versus the football player Deshaun Watson for the last three hours. And I'm ready to talk with some level-headed individuals. All right, let's let's do that. And uh, before I get to, you know, the man that everyone is here to see, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, to the man, Freddie, Jeffrey, Skull, Raymond. Oh, yeah. What's up? How you doing? And uh, here he is. You love him. The man, the myth, the legend, the flip mozzie. <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> Jason, Tyler, Tyler, no repeat takes from last night. We we need some all new, fresh, fresh comments from this show. Well, there I, we are. we're gonna I, jump. I, I am, we're gonna jump right in because he's not here. Miles, he set the agenda for us, and then he dipped out on us. So we get to trash his name while he's not here. But he had a take on Twitter today. Tyler had. The diametrically opposed take. And so we're going to talk about it. Flip, you might have to defend Miles' honor while he's not here. All right. Tyler has gone hard in the paint saying Kellen Mond should not be anywhere near the number two job for the Minnesota Vikings. Miles, on the other side of this, says, hey, Kirk goes down. Season's lost anyway. Might as well look at long-term development. Tyler? Give us a bit more details on your take and, and, and why you're so far apart from our boy Miles. So I, I'm going to kind of throw a curveball. On an overall level, I agree with Miles. I think he's spot on. You need to give Calamon that development. But I'm looking at it from the lens of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. They have to win to save their jobs. And because they have to win to save their jobs, they cannot have Calamon as QB2. And that's my point of the argument. It's not about what they should do. It's what they should do within the context of saving their asses they need to have a guy like a chase daniel a nick Foles, where if kirk decides hey i'm gonna go get covid and is out for two weeks or pulls a hamstring or sprains an ankle or the plexiglass for some reason doesn't work that you need to have somebody capable enough to win football games and right now that is not on the roster and now if we were running the team the three of us i think you just have kelamond as qb2 if kirk goes down you roll with it and you give him that development on the fly But within the context of what this season is and how upper management and the coaching staff has to handle it, you just can't do that. And that's that's kind of my antithesis of the argument. I I would want to roll with Kellen Mond because you're right. Season's going to be pretty much lost. But they can't do that because they will get fired. And I think they need to really chase that after the last final cuts of preseason. They need to try and figure out who can be a capable guy that can come in win a game or two. I mean, Chase Daniel uh, beat us in Soldier Field a couple years ago. 
that maybe he's that guy who can step in for a game. He's not great. You don't want him to be great. You want him to be capable enough that if you need him to win one football game, you can likely trust him to do that. Like Blake Bortles, he's a big wild card and he's erratic, but he's also has a good enough arm where he might be able to win you a football game. Same <laughs> with Nick Foles. He's erratic and he makes some crazy, crazy decisions and he panics in the I'm, pocket. I'm, I'm sorry, the I'm sorry to cut three. you off, Tyler, but yeah, I mean, Jake, with, with the with the comment of the day already, uh, there's yep. no backup to saving the squad if Cousins goes down. Cousin carries this yeah, team yeah, and- on his back to 500. Which, I mean, that's, that is the story of his time here. Flip, hop in. What are your thoughts? Which I, way do we go? I mean, I mean, that's the issue with the take. And I, I honestly think both sides of this argument is a little lazy because we're only talk about, talking about in the case of injury here. Um, but we can get into that. When, when you talk about injury, it's just fool's gold to sit here and tell ourselves that Chase Daniel is going to come in August 25th learn the playbook and be ready to contribute towards winning football, even if it's for a game or two, like uh, Chase Daniels, just not going to be able to be counted on to do that. And neither is Blake Bortles and neither is Nick Foles, not to mention, it's not just about them coming in late. It's about, are they good cube quarterbacks for this system? Sure. You know, they could, they could hopefully win a game, but that's like a, 50-50 bet at best that they do win that game in the case that Kirk is injured. So they're getting fired regardless. Signing another guy now, you know what? what? Let's say they go out and they spend vet minimum on a quarterback. Kirk does get injured. That quarterback plays and loses two games. Well, then you're getting fired anyways, and we've got a million dollars spent on the 2021 cap that we couldn't roll over for 2022. So you don't waste this money on bums. And there's only bums out in the market right now. That's what it comes down to. The only way it makes sense to go and get a backup right now is if you see upside when Kirk is healthy. If you think they need a guy that can hold a clipboard. If you're saying that Kirk looks uncomfortable right now because he doesn't have a guy like Sean Mannion who's coaching him on the sidelines, who's watching film with him, watching the watching the game on the uh, Microsoft Surface, making sure, diagnosing plays, telling him how to strategize for the rest of the game. A guy who can do that while Kirk is healthy, if you don't think Kellen Mond can be that, then maybe, yes, you can say go out and get a guy and this QB2, this B agent QB2 is going to help Kirk win when he when he is healthy. But the this emergency break class in case of needed and you've got Chase Daniel, that's not something that is even feasible. Tyler, as it stands right now, Flip and the commenters they they're, they're not rolling with this get a veteran uh, a veteran quarterback in here. Vikings Jerome he just gives you a solid thumbs down for the idea of Blake Bortles. And uh, none of the other names that you've thrown out here are getting much love. Uh, we got Jake, Ryan, other folks in there saying that, you know, Kirk goes down, might as well start the development ride on, on Kellen Mond. See what you got. Uh, but what, what do you say to all this? No, I'll, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll say this. I think there's a complete difference between if Kirk goes down for half the season or longer versus Kirk is out one to two games. I think you it's realistic to ask Chase Daniel to come in within the confines of how this system works. 
how the defense is projected to be this year and ask him to win one or two games. I think you can game plan around it. I think you don't have to have the entire playbook, but a guy like Chase Daniel has been around. He's been a veteran. I, his skill set would translate very well to this scheme. I think you could ask him to do all those things, and he could possibly win you a game. He would at least keep you afloat for a week or two. Now, if you're talking extended period of time and you're completely riding out the season, and I say this from the context of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman trying to save their jobs. Other, excuse me. Otherwise, gentlemen, I'm in complete agreement with you. You need to give Calamon the development. But if you need to stay afloat for a game or two while Kirk heals an ankle injury or recovers from COVID, Chase Daniel, one of those type of guys, bring them in. Spend a million dollars because you're going to spend a million dollars on a different position anyways. At the very least, there's going to be a $500,000 difference if you keep an UDFA. Like, you're not exactly breaking the bank here. That It's it's something that they have to do to save their jobs. Personally, if Cousins It doesn't on, save their I, jobs. It doesn't it save their if, job. It could if he keeps them afloat and then they end up making a playoff run. That That's the point. I'm talking within the context of how they should be viewing this not what they actually should do. Because what they actually should do is if Cousins goes down, just play Mon. But they're not going to do that because they can't afford to do that. And honestly, right, that's so you don't think we could scheme around. You don't think we could scheme around like a Kellen Mond for, for a couple of games because it's a completely different offense you likely are going to run if Kellen Mond is out there versus uh, a player like Kirk Cousins. You don't think that with, with this offensive staff and what Zimmer wants to do, the defense, all the things that you – mentioned about a Chase Daniels. I understand like a Chase Daniels can like run your offense potentially maybe, or a Nick Foles can maybe run your offense. Um, but don't you think that maybe with a player like a Kellen Mond who can, you know, if things you know go to hell, you know, take off and run or maybe do some different things, design some quarterback runs. You honestly don't de- feel like this offensive staff could maybe scheme up some packages, some plays that could get them through uh, a couple games this season. And I guess the other side I would ask you, Tyler, is, um, and Flip, you can jump in on this as well, is I guess if you're looking like looking at it through the lens of saving their jobs, uh, isn't it an easier case to make that like, hey, our quarterback was gone and we had to play this third round rookie versus, you know, this more expensive, this name that people know where there's actually expectations that like we should win games probably because this veteran quarterback beat us at some point down the line where they weren't supposed to. So I think this is a layered conversation. I'll start here. Mond is barely QB three type at this point. He's just not ready. If you throw him in a game, it could he could be one of those players where it destroys his confidence. Remember Ryan Leaf in 98? He came in. He just got bullied early. He never mentally recovered. I don't know if Mond has that kind of mental makeup, but I also don't know that he doesn't. I He is just proven in the practice reps I've seen, in everything I've heard, in the preseason games, he is not ready to see the NFL field right now. Could that change throughout the season? Could that change after this week? Maybe. Right now, he's not even close, and I don't want him touching the field right now, um, especially when you talk about the lens from Zimmer. Now, the other part is what, when you go to the Wilfs and be like, hey, we uh, Kirk got hurt, and you know that's why we have the record we did. Well, why won't Ziggy just come back? Why didn't you have a backup plan? Why didn't you have a plan to at least keep the season afloat why are you trusting a third-round rookie who obviously isn't ready to play, and you drafted him as a project, somebody you hope to be able to take over in 2022 or 2023? Like, if I'm the owner, that's my first question, and that's, if you're the and that owner, easily could make you fired. If you're the owner, that's what you want. If you're the owner, you're saying, you just drafted a third-round draft pick. Our quarterback got injured. 
why would you not put the guy on the field that you just drafted? Why should we have to wait? Worst case scenario, he comes in, he sucks for two games, and then Kirk is back, but the quarterback still, the rookie QB, still has lessons that he can learn from that time on the field. So I just don't see where this adds up. If you, if you think that real game experience is going to break Kellen Mond, then I want to know that in 2021. I don't want to have to wait till 2022 to find out the guy just can't handle the NFL. You drafted him. You put him in there. You don't start him over Kirk Cousins or anything crazy like that. But you see if a leader, which a quarterback has to be, you think you see if he can rise to the occasion in a couple spot starts and your job is tied to that. The veteran who you, the emergency veteran that you call in, he's going to be gone in 2022 anyways. So why would ownership not just clean house? Because there's, I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm Ziggy Wilf and Mike Zimmer is telling me, Hey, the, the Kirk got injured. So we sucked. We still don't know what we have in Kellen Mond. Let's just go ahead and pay Kirk 45 million because we don't know anything about our third round draft pick from last year. That's how you get fired. You have to see these young players rise to the occasion and covering them up with these veterans is, is sounds nice and good and maximizes your wins from like six to eight wins, but it doesn't do anything to actually set you up for chasing a championship. Boom. You know, I'll, I'll say this flip. You, uh, it's one thing. If you think Kellen Mond is ready, if you think he is close to being ready and then you can take that shot, Kellen Mond isn't close at all. And I think yeah, when you have a guy that you want to put in a position to succeed, you would not be putting Kellen Mond in a position to succeed right now because he hasn't shown that he's capable of being ready. Okay, then, made, then you put in Jake Browning. And Browning is worse than Mond. Browning should not be on the roster. He is terrible. It's, it's inexcusable to have Brownie not ready. Like, if you're telling me Browning is not ready, then I'm firing the coach. That's what I'm I'm, trying to get at here. I'm saying you uh, paid Browning $100,000 in UDFA. You tried to develop him. You tried to make him a capable backup quarterback, and it failed. And you can go to Ziggy Wolf and be like, we put in every effort we could. It didn't work. It's a UDFA. It is what it is. But if we're in in your scenario of two games, if we're talking about a championship caliber team and you have a, a, three-year veteran quarterback who is not ready for the field and a rookie quarterback who is not ready for the field and you still can't win with guys, that's because of development. I mean, the scheme should be there. The defense should be there. The receiver should be there. The offensive line should be there. They should have the full support they need. No, it's not going to be, it's not going to be as good as Kirk Cousins, but I mean, Chase Daniel over Kellen Mond in that situation doesn't provide any type of upside in the short or the long term. No, it keeps it all it does is keep you afloat to potentially save your job and get a playoff berth, which is basically what this regime needs. Now, hey, I want to play Mont as far as learning those things. So I'm in agreement with you guys. I'm talking from the, the lens of what Zimmer and Spielman have to deal with throughout the course of the year. They have to find a veteran backup. It's they they uh, honestly they don't. They do not. They do not. They have two young quarterbacks that they are in charge of developing. They have a defense 
that should you, you talk about Chase Daniel beating that winning that game with the Bears against the Vikings. How did they do that? Did they do that with great play from Chase Daniel? No, they did it with defense. They did it because they, all the they other had parts capable of that team. play from Chase Daniel, which you can't get from Browning or Mond. And if you want to talk I about think, development, that's fair. And that's a fair yeah. argument and criticism against it. But Browning was right. a UDFA who you hoped you could turn into something. It didn't work. You watched it at that. UDFAs fail all it, the time. You can't even call it a failure yet because the guy has never seen an NFL field. You that can't call, I it, a call it a failure based on preseason. That the way he has looked, the way he throws. Well, a I can call Chase Daniel a failure based on four years of NFL play. Chase Daniel's like, a massive success because the man's made forty-six million dollars and started like three games. Well, in that okay. case, we have gonna, the best not, NFL player. We have the best in player case, in the NFL in Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins is the best player of all time. All right. Well, yeah. uh, we're going to pause this discussion. Tyler, I'm going to let you cleanse your palate of all the quarterback talk that we've had thus far because talking about Kellen Mond and Jake Browning, I can tell it's hurting you deep to your core. <laughs> and in the comments, we have a discussion about what would happen if we had to play these backups for an extended period of time because the Vikings would likely be in contention for a very high draft pick. So is it Even Rattler better. or Howell? Which way are you going, Dyla? At, at no explanation. Point, um, <laughs> Malik Willis, Liberty. Oh, okay. He, All he right. the closest thing we, we'll, we will probably see to Lamar Jackson within the next decade. All right. It's okay. incredibly high praise, and there are a lot of people who are able to back that up. He can run. He can run with power. He has an absolute hose for an arm. He just he needs to work on his mechanics, calm down a little bit in the pocket, and throw a little bit more accurately, which by fixing the mechanics he can do. That There are some throws that he makes that will kind of uh, be reminiscent of like what Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, just the wild off-platform stuff on the move pinpoint accurate 40 yards down the field it's wild what he can do he needs a little refinement but he could be the next big thing in the national football league okay well ryan is not gonna like that but we move flip Mm -hmm. there was a game it was on saturday the vikings ones actually got some run and i know vikings twitter uh it was all doom and gloom i rewatched the game today it wasn't great it wasn't the worst thing i'd ever seen either though I guess, what were your thoughts, kind of taking it all in, looking at, like, our, our, our starters playing a little bit in this game? Um, yeah, what were your final thoughts? What was your grade for the team? How did you kind of assess the whole thing when it was all said and done? Uh, you, know, I, you know, I don't put too much into preseason, Jason. Offensive struggled. You know, defense looked better. Special teams, you know, better than last year is – is how I take it. Fine. The kickers making field goals, missing a 51 yarder, not great. Not the most confidence boosting thing in the world, but you know, maybe we'd have been a little overconfident if he had made that field goal. Cause it's preseason uh, defense. You know, I think a lot of people liked what they saw out of Steven Weatherly. Uh, they still went out and got Everson Griffin. So maybe the coaches weren't quite as impressed, but it definitely was a better defensive effort just in terms of fundamentals and, and the ones helped with that. And then offense, you know, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. The, the all 11 offensive starters were on the team last year and we have a Clint Kubiak, you know, Gary Kubiak jr. Instead of Gary Kubiak, 
the Super Bowl, you know, winning coach. And we expect the offense to somehow be better. And I don't know why. So when I see the offense look like that with vanilla, vanilla play calling, it's just not anything that is going to uh, change my opinion. And uh, Tyler, I guess, you know, kind of, you know, moving along from the point that that flip made there, we, uh, we did, we did hear from Clint, uh, you know, via some quotes from, uh, from the beat reporters where, you know, it sounded like he was kind of you know, taking the fall a little bit saying that, you know, he does need to step it up or maybe he needs to be a bit more aggressive, which is a bit of a different tune than we've heard from, uh, from Zimmer offensive coordinator. Zimmer seems to be going the other way in terms of the criticisms that he's, he's doling out, at least in this preseason. I guess, what were your thoughts first on the performance, but then second on, you know, what Clint Kubiak had to say afterwards? And do you think that that kind of foreshadows any differences in how the Vikings play on offense when we actually do open the playbook up a little bit? I think, uh, like, I kind of in, am in agreement with Flip a little bit as far as I don't take a whole lot of stock in the preseason as far as how units play. I look at more at individual performances. How are you going up against your guy? How is the cohesion with the offensive line? Which, all the credit in the world to them, they played a very good game on Saturday. And that's something that we can really take moving forward because it's all about the sum of the parts rather than one or two individual players. As long as you don't have a true weak spot – that's when you can have a really capable quality offensive line. And they show that they can possibly do that because they handled DeForest Buckner. And that was a big issue in week two last year. He absolutely annihilated us. Then I'm going to take that, put it in the bag. And I like it. I look at individual performances because it's hard to judge full units because you're going up. Hey, the Vikings first team didn't have Cook, didn't have Jefferson. Thielen got a little dinged up. Like they're, and then the defense that they're playing against doesn't have everybody either. So you have to kind of look at it with a grain of salt. Like I thought Armand Watts had a fantastic game. He was my player of the week this week uh, on yesterday's show because I saw a lot of explosiveness from him. He was in gaps. He was around the football making plays. And that's the kind of stuff I want to see because that will translate that it may be less effective against a better player. But if you're able to do that, you're likely still going to be able to do that against a better player. It just won't happen as often. Um, and as far as Clint Kubiak goes, I give him a lot of credit. He fell on the sword. Everybody knows it's a manila playbook. Everybody knows you're not going to be running anything fancy. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of struggles from a lot of different people. And the main one that we focus on is Kirk Cousins because he's QB1. You know, ever since he came back from his stint in the quarantine, he's he's looked a little rough. He hasn't looks super sharp. He looks like he's just kind of in a fog a little bit. And we need to kind of clear that up. But luckily, we have two and a half, three weeks in order to get there. So I give Kubiak all the credit because he said, you know what? I'll take the heat for it. I don't need to pass it on to my offense. And he's the new guy. So he like he can afford to take a little bit in the preseason. And then as the regular season goes on, I'll be interested to see how that continues if he continues to fall on the sword for these guys, or if he starts taking the Zimmer route and placing blame, or if it's a little combination of that. But I, I don't read too much into it because he's not going to call a lot of plays. You're going to call a lot of basic concepts, mesh, dagger, Ohio, Omaha, all those. It's all basic stuff, like <laughs> stuff that you're not going to really read anything as far as uh, what's going to translate into um, into the uh, – what should we call it? <laughs> the regular season. <laughs> Welcome, Joseph. Joseph, 
coming in. We got, we got some coming great in comments. Once again, coming in hot. I'm loving it, Joseph. Uh, I, I don't know that Sam wants anything to do with, with you know, a football field again or getting hit or any of that stuff. But Flip, I saw you, you were kind of shaking your head there a little bit when, when Tyler was, was giving his take on, on what was going down and, and Clint and all of those things. Was there something he said that you didn't agree with or – was it the comments yeah, just, that kind of had you going? No, it was just about Kirk being in the fog. You know, I, I appreciate Clint for taking the blame, falling on the sword, all things that are true. I mean, I get that he's doing that specifically because of who his quarterback is. If you want to talk about why the Vikings didn't draft Justin Fields or Mac Jones, um, there is there's maybe a pressure issue there that happens with Kirk Cousins. We've seen the man perform in high-pressure situations. It doesn't always go his way. And if you ask me right now, it feels like there's a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins right now. There is a lot of pressure for him coming into practice after missing time due to COVID. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on him based on what the coach is saying. That pressure is going to be there all season long. So if you if you see this fog somehow disappearing with time and Kirk Cousins reps, I don't see that. The pressure is going to be there. Kirk is going to have to finally perform under pressure this year or it's not going to go our way. That's that's my main comment. I'll also say kind of on the side, like let's be honest, the offensive line was doing well run blocking more than pass blocking, uh which is great because, you know, Clint Kubiak's probably just going to hand off to Dalvin Cook 35 times a game, 35 touches for Dalvin, another way to take pressure off Kirk Cousins, but you know, I I still do not have faith that this line can protect Kirk Cousins against the best in the NFL. And I still do not have faith that the Vikings are going to be inventive on the offensive side of the ball with their play calling. All right. So, Tyler, uh, flip, flip going a different way or is what you were saying when you were saying the positives, was that primarily in the run game or was it? Something else that you were seeing that I guess was was giving you confidence that you know this team might be able to do a little something in the passing game. I think uh, Flip's right in overall that they were better in the running game, but I didn't think they were deficient in the passing game like they were last season. I saw some improvement. I saw some cohesiveness, and I think you can translate that moving forward, and you can expect an improvement if they continue to show this and it becomes a trend. Uh, I think obviously running game is going to be a big strength with this offensive line with how it's structured, how it's built and how it's coached. As long as they don't become a liability blocking in the passing game, I think you're, you're looking at an offensive line that could possibly be average. And yeah, we haven't talked about Dozier once. Do you know why? He was a top three graded offensive lineman for the Vikings this week because he played well. Like you can't expect him to play well. Against backups. History. Yeah. Against backups. I agree. Well as well, he is a backup. Should I do I think no, he well, should be rostered? Well is not well. No. Is not going to translate to the season. So well is not well. And I, I I agree because I don't think he should still be rostered. I think you need to cut him, but it was still good to see somebody on the offensive line playing well within the context of this game. And it's it's a good sign to see cohesion and there no, be no true weak link on Saturday. And I, that was my biggest takeaway. Nobody was a weak link. So when you say like, uh, so we talked uh, a little while ago about like ESPN projecting the Vikings at around 
24th in the league from a, a pass blocking perspective. That That's their early season kind of analytic projection on what they expect the team to be. When you're saying you see improvement, are you Freddie seeing improvement from like 24th to, to something better? Or are you seeing improvement from like bottom of the league towards kind of, you know, just kind of bottom third of the league? Like where are you seeing this team projecting forward based on what you saw in, in, in this game, Tyler? I'm seeing no zero pass blocking grades from Garrett Bradbury. Like, I, I think there will be improvement. I don't think they're going to hit the heights of what some of the guys did last year. I don't think left tackle is going to be an improvement over Riley Reef. I think Brian O'Neill, assuming he, he stays healthy, he will continue to be good. Ezra Cleveland has showed promise as far as his improvement. And I think being on the left side with kind of the rhythm and repetition of how you utilize your feet will be a massive help to him. Right guard is still a question mark. I want to give Oliudo a chance. He is a very athletic specimen who possesses a lot of power and size. He can climb to the second level, I think, better than Wyatt Davis at this point. Davis, I don't think, climbs to the second level very well. So my projection would be Oliudo starts at right guard week one. Does Wyatt Davis take over at some point? Very possible. But I think the fact that if Bradbury has two capable, relatively average guards next to him, and not Dakota Dozier, any rookie Ezra Cleveland, I think we could see an improvement from him because I think that's been one of his biggest issues is he has to overcompensate for guys next to him being really, really bad. And they can just kind of pinpoint him because they know that the guards won't be able to come over and help. Um, And I think when you kind of look at an overall... Freddie is coming hard in the paint with these PFF pass grades here. (laughs) Yeah. Why why you got to hurt him? Why you got to hurt him like that, Freddie? That's okay. Uh, Uh, There's one comment that is not a PFF grade that was made earlier, and I I didn't shout it out, and that's that's 100% my bad. But the commenter said that said they would prefer to have Mary Fisk at quarterback to Blake Bortles. You are 100% correct. Yes, that is the right answer, and uh, that is exactly how we should do it. If we're bringing anybody in, if we're signing anybody off the street. It's Mary. Mary's in there. She's running QB. And uh, that's how we're going to do it as we go forward here. Uh, Dave, can you flash that comment back up? I I need to see that comment about us hating because I didn't get to read the whole thing. It was was there, (laughs) then it was gone too quickly. Well, I want to give Raymond credit, man. You are free to disagree with me. I love the takes. I love the different opinions in the comments. And I get it. And the, the best part about me as a Vikings fan is Kirk Cousins can prove me wrong. Kirk Cousins can win and I'm going to cheer for that man to win. He's not looking great right now, but he's got a, he's got a couple of, he's got a couple of years, you know, he's got a couple of months, a couple of weeks to, to get on the right track and not have the lackluster September that he had, he's had every year that he's been in Minnesota. So sure, Kirk, go out, win some football games. I'll be your biggest fan. And I think that's the thing that a lot of folks don't, I mean, maybe they understand, maybe they don't like I'm a Vikings fan. Do I think Kirk cousins is the answer? No. Uh, I feel like we have some games and some seasons that show us that like, we've basically been around what Kirk has always been in his career, which is like struggling to make the playoffs kind of team with, with Kirk as the QB, that certainly doesn't mean I'm hoping for anything but for the Vikings to go out and dominate 
Flip and I have already started to plan what we're going to do if the Vikings make a big run in the playoffs and where we're going to celebrate if they win it all. So best believe we want the Vikings to win because Vegas or Atlanta will have some bookings for us after that Super Bowl win. So like we are Vikings fans first. No, 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 absolutely not. No, you don't want to be here for the parade, Jake. You're not going to be at the home parade. No, no, no. We'll watch it from the sports book in Vegas. (laughs) And all of y'all are welcome to come through. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get it. We'll get a full Super Bowl rewatch party at, at Caesar's palace. There we go. There we go. Speak it into existence. That's what I'm talking about. But All right. I, I just go ahead, Flip. I, I just think you look at this team and you have to understand that they have built the 2021 team to be less dependent on Kirk Cousins, no matter how you look at it. And it's not drafting Kellen Mond. It's all the all the pieces that went into the defense. Mike Zimmer's trying to build a top five defense here and hope that he still has a top 15 offense. So Am I happy that we're playing a a game manager or that we're paying Kirk Cousins the salary that he's getting paid just to be a game manager and to be on a defensive first football team? I'm not exactly proud of it, but you know what? If he gets the job done, if he doesn't turn the ball over, if he finds the open man, if he feels pressure a little better or has better blocking in front of him, then Kirk Cousins is more than capable of helping this team win a lot of football games. And ultimately, I'm excited about Zimmer's last stand on the defense with all the new pieces he's got because I think there's a lot of upside. There's a lot to get excited about on that type side of the ball. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, I just have one more question for both of y'all. Uh, we're not going through. Sorry, David. I know that you put that in the uh, in the in the episode description. It said we were doing a full fifty-three man roster prediction. That is not happening. If you were tuned in for a full fifty-three man mm-hmm. roster prediction, uh, <laughs> maybe come back next week. I don't know. Not happening on the show. But I do want to get your thoughts from both of y'all. Offense, defense. Uh, which side? Which which positional groups uh, on offense? Tyler, uh, are you feeling the least confident in, other than quarterback? We don't need to talk about that. I feel like we've gone through that already. We know that we that, that you know maybe Tyler's not feeling as great about the backup quarterback situation. But after that, is there anywhere on offense that a you're feeling eh not so good about, and then help me out on offense that you're feeling like the position group that you're feeling great about? I think I'm feeling great about the running backs overall. Assuming uh, Kenny Wongu is going to be healthy for week one, that uh, you have Alexander Madison, who's a very capable running back, too, and could slide into a starting role if needed. You have Dalvin Cook, who's a top three to five running back in the National Football League. And, and then you have Amir Abdullah, who's a very capable third down back. He's not going to give you anything explosive or great, but he's also not going to make mistakes. And, and for a guy like that, I like having that. I think the two things I'm really worried about is wide receiver depth. I'm worried if Jefferson or uh, Thielen misses extended time, how this offense is going to survive because we still don't know about the long-term of D.D. Westbrook, at least initially, because he hasn't actually gotten on the field yet. And we're talking, he's a year out from his injury. He got injured just before the season last year. And when you're talking about ACLs, it's a nine-month process right now. Like Joe Burrow's already back. You can talk about if he's been good or not, but he's back and he had a much worse injury. So, that kind of concerns me a little bit. Like, can they be capable without those guys? We talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, but I'm still a little worrisome. And then right guard, just get Dakota Dozier off this roster and I'm going to feel a lot better about it. 
But as long as he's still on the roster, I'm going to be worried. All right, Flip, uh, defense. Same question for you. What group has you a little nervous, and what group are you feeling super great about? Yeah, you know, uh, the the secondary in particular, I'm going to go with that safety position, single out one man, Xavier Woods. Just haven't seen anything from him. Um, He hasn't had many opportunities, but I still think that's just a huge question mark playing next to Harrison Smith. So that, that, that's concerning. And, you know, I just, I really like what I see from this defensive line. They're pretty run focused, um, which I don't love. I wish they could rush a passer a little bit better, but just the depth is amazing to the point where you've got Sheldon Richardson behind Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson. You've got Everson Griffin behind Daniil Hunter and Stephen Weatherly, DJ Wanham. So I think they're they're going to find a way to get a rotation there to get five good defensive linemen out of the nine or ten that they have that can all contribute. I'm not sure which ones they are right now, you know, um, but collectively you really trust that group up front, and they're going to have to be great starting week one. And I lied. Last actual question for both of you. Tyler, is Anthony Barr ready for week one? Uh, or is this a situation like we've seen in the past where maybe this is something that stretches into the season? I think it's something that could stretch into the season because uh, Judd Zelgad uh, of Score North did explicitly ask if it was the pack. Zimmer flat out said no, which tells me it's probably a soft tissue injury of some other kind, maybe a hamstring, maybe a groin, quad. Like I'm a little worried that he's not going to play week one. It was confirmed that uh, he's might not play week one. And if he doesn't play week one, like that's a big hit to our linebacker depth because after barring Kendricks, it's pretty rough. Chas Surratt can only tackle. He can't shed a block to save his life. Vigil is average. Troy Dye, maybe he could break out and step into a big-time role, but I'm, uh, he had a good preseason game this week, and he ha- he hasn't looked bad, but I don't know if he's quite ready for prime time. So I, I'm very concerned about Barr. How about you, Flip? What are you feeling with Barr? Do you feel, are you starting to feel a bit more concerned as this thing stretches out? Or you feel like, you know, early in the season, he'll be back out there? Uh, I'm not concerned about Barr. Take the time. Take the time he needs to get healthy. It's off-ball linebacker. And he's like one of 15 veteran defenders that Mike Zimmer got to sign this season. So if we can't stop the Cincinnati Bengals because Anthony Barr is injured, give me a, give me a fucking break. All right. Well, I don't think we're going to top that last comment from Flip. So we are going to shut this thing down. As always, viewers, thanks for rocking with us. We got the best comment section on all of the interwebs Mm -hmm. coming in hot every week. I love it. Everyone coming in. There it is. Keep it going, Flip. I love it. I love, we love we getting Joseph all the comments. Shea, ask, please sign a, go- we're signing defenders. We're not signing no right guard. Uh, it's we, we it's might wild. Jake Anderson, Freddie Hall. We love all y'all in the comments. Can't wait to see y'all during the season when we're putting the W's in the chat. Keep there coming back, y'all. We'll be Keep here. coming back. And listeners, if you listen to this later on, come be a viewer. Come hang out with us live. But all of y'all, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and that is it. That is all. David, where are you at? I am here. There he is. <laughs> Tomorrow night, same time, same bat channel, we have Vikings Happy Hour. 
And this time, hopefully, a well-rested Matt Anderson and Ryan Otago, Ortega go at it with special guest Matthew Collar. How many beers can you drink before the start of the show and things get wild? That's the There question. we go. I love it. We need to get Collar a shotgun of beer. Well, that's it. That would that's be- all. Oh, thanks for Robert watching, Griffin. everyone. Let's, Let's really put the pressure on. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great show, and our and our, our and our folks have been awesome. Appreciate it. Skull, everybody. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pipes.